All right, and we are live. Welcome, everyone, uh, to this segment of what's going to be a new series. Uh, it's going to be called Road to 2024. We're about a year and three months away from Election Day. Uh, we're going to be bringing you guys live news. We're going to be bringing you guys segments like this one. Uh, today, we are joined by Assembly Republican Leader James Gallagher himself. He's going to be sitting down with us today to talk all things California. Um, which there's probably a lot. So we're kind of probably gonna have to break this up <laughs> into <laughs> yeah. different episodes Lots to talk about. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have SB 14. You guys did amazing with that over at the, at, at the house uh, and getting, making sure that that is getting fast track. That is the anti uh, child trafficking that um, was stalled for a bit. And then it seemed like uh, national outrage kind of made the Democrats 180. Um, and then we'll be talking about homelessness, of course, the fentanyl crisis, tax on gas, cost of living. Why is it so high? Um, and then we'll just talk about a little bit of uh, election integrity, targeted seats 2024. And then um, we'll talk about AB 1314. I believe that was co-authored by yourself, right? right? Yes. And then, so we'll go into that. Um, and then, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy. Make sure you guys hit that like button. Make sure you guys subscribe. Make sure you guys are sharing these conversations because it's the only way that we're able to inform the masses and the only way that we're going to be able to inform people, uh, voters specifically, ahead of 2024 so they can make an informed vote. That is the most important thing that we can do. Uh, so without further ado, thank you so much, Assembly Republican Leader James Gallagher. Are you okay with just Leader Gallagher? That's kind of a mouthful. So You know, James <laughs> is fine. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone and just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, hey, thanks for having me on, Anthony. Uh, you got a great show, man. I know you've got a huge following and you're communicating our values, you know, out into this into this California universe, man, and yeah. into the chaos uh, that is <laughs> California. So I appreciate you. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, my name is James Gallagher. Uh, I'm the Republican leader in the assembly. Uh, but I'm really just a farm boy from northern California. Uh, grew up on a rice farm, uh, you know, just north of Sacramento. Um, I'm sixth generation. Um, you know, so we've been here for a little while and, you know, yeah. I love this state, man. I'm raising the next generation here. Um, but you know, very troubled, um, and frustrated by this government, you know, and that's, that's what led me to get involved in politics. Um, you know, my grandfather, uh, was always, you know, a big part of my life and, and, you know, really instilled in me, uh, the need to get involved, to stand up, fight for your, your values and, mm -hmm. and for your way of life. Um, so I saw him do that at a young age and, you know, it inspired me. I ended up going to UC Berkeley of Ooh. all places, you know, into, <laughs> into the lion's den, um, yeah. you know, started a conservative magazine uh, on the campus at college Republicans group was part of a, you know, a pretty vibrant group there. Nice. Um, you know, so we fought on the front lines there and that's why I always say, Hey man, if I can handle Berkeley, I can handle Sacramento. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, you know, went, you know, got my education, came back to uh, my community. Um, I got my law degree, so I'm an attorney as well. Um, and primarily my practice, we were, you know, working with small businesses, helping them with their business needs. Um, I, I represented a lot of farmers and, and people in agriculture as well. Um, and I just saw like, you know, how, you know, government was getting in the way, you know, and, and too often, like it was stifling um, our ability to live the, the life that we want to live. Um, so I first ran for local office was, you know, on the board of supervisors uh, for six years and then I ran for state assembly. Um, and so I've been fighting the battle in Sacramento and, uh, you know, happy to lead this group, you know, in, in the Republican caucus. And I want to turn it around. I mean, my focus is we've got to take California back and I think we yeah. can. 
Um, and it's about talking about the issues that people care about um, and showing them how we can get the job done um, and standing up for what's right. You know, really, a lot of this stuff is just common sense. You know, the world's been t- turned upside down. I don't have to yeah. tell you that. Yeah. Um, and we need to turn it right side up. And I think there's people that really want to see us do that. So you say you're sixth generation California. So uh, for all those six generations that you guys always just been into farming, like is it you've been a yeah. farming community or family? Yeah, we were Irish immigrants, you okay. know, uh, that came to this country. I mean, to escape oppression, you know, um, that they were facing in their home country. Um, and like for so many who have immigrated to America, this was the land of opportunity. You know, this was the this was the place where finally in California they were able to, you know, purchase their first piece of land and farm it. And we yeah. actually still farm that you know, to this very day. So it's uh, so amazing to me that back then, you know, California was seen as like this paradise, right? It was like, I, I know that there was like that gold rush. People looked to California, even looking at like um, shows like 1923, uh, I think that was right. Called. Yeah. Back then, like these people were making these voyages to head West so they right. can have that piece of land to be able to either farm or that gold rush, whatever it is, to kind of expand it and have something that they've never had before. And I feel like now it's like the opposite, right? Now people are like, they can't wait to leave California because they're like, man, this is just not the land of opportunity yeah. anymore. 700,000 people, you know, in the last two years have yeah. left left the state. Yeah, it's 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 terrible, but I, I'm with you. I'm here to fight. I've, I've told my followers all the time, you know, that uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to leave. This is my home. You know, I, as a first uh, born American from my mother's side, I'm third or fourth, I'm fourth generation, I think, on my father's side. Um, but I'm first generation American on my mother's right. side. So she came from Mexico and she's like, this is the line of opportunity. This came is here America. for the same reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so to me, it would just really suck to have to once again migrate, you know, I sure within the United States, but it's like, I don't want to go like it's hot here. It's probably gonna be hotter in Texas. Right. <laughs> it's is, it is gonna be hotter and humid in Florida. Right. And so to me, it's, you know, America is beautiful and it has a, a great diversity of beautiful places not knocking Texas, love my Texans and, and the Floridian people. Um, but it's just, I don't want to leave, you know, like this is what we built already. We have a home here. We have, you know, wife, three children, and, and I don't want to have to uproot them. We have a, a great church, great pastor, great community, very involved with the kids. And so to me, it's just, I don't want to do this again. You know, like right. I, I don't want to have to, I traveled so much in the military that I was like, I'm like, I'm getting out cause I'm done traveling. And then now I have to do it again. And so, that's why these conversations are so important because what are the issues? How do we help expose the issues? Because, you know, you, you all have your, your hands full up in, in Sacramento. And I, I think maybe looking back a little bit with Mr. Uh, Brian Dolly, uh, Senator Brian Dolly, right. uh, one friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. We had him here a couple of times and uh, you know, we were rooting for him against Gavin Newsom and uh, but I, but I think that one of the things that maybe restricted him was he was so busy in Sacramento because there was so much crazy happening out there. And so sometimes what I'm getting to is you have your hands full. That you don't really have time for social media or to make a TikTok or whatever it is. And so that's why there's uh, platforms like this one that want right. to highlight people like yourself. What are we fighting for? How can we as citizens help? How can we as Californians raise the voice? What can we do better? So why don't we start with SB 14? So SB 14, I'm just going to read it off real quick. California Democrats, this is ABC 10. California Democrats revived a stalled bill on child trafficking after public pressure. 
Um, it says uh, California Republicans had a rare chance to celebrate. <laughs> I like how it means <laughs> a rare chance for Republicans. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, but it says a rare chance to celebrate Thursday after Democrats in the state legislature capitulated on one of the GOP's top priorities, a bill to increase penalties for child traffickers. So initially it was, you know, it seemed like if you could explain the process, but I think I got it right. The Senate passed it with bipartisan support and then it went to the public committee hearing. And then that's where it was stalled because right. you guys were hoping to vote on it on the House floor and then straight to Newsom, right? Yeah. So my, my Republican colleague, Senator Shannon Grove, ran this bill this year. And, you know, essentially like, you know, I, some people might say, you know, we could do even more on this front, but it, you know, it's very narrowly tailored mm. to go after, you know, people who are trafficking minors and, and declares that that is a serious felony. And what that means is that would result in a longer sentence that someone would serve if they're, you know, convicted of, you know, trafficking our children, our most vulnerable in society. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's very narrowly tailored, you know, Shannon worked really hard on it, yeah. got it through the Senate on a, you know, unanimous. It was 40 to nothing. Every Democrat, you know, voted for this bill. And then it goes to Assembly Public Safety Committee where it's voted down on a party line vote. Huh. And, you know, this was a big victory for us, you know, I mean, first of all. But the other thing that I think it's really done is just shown how radical uh, this public safety committee that's run by, you know, a very radical group of Democrats uh, in the legislature, how, how radical they have been, not just on this issue, but like for years, people have been trying to push for greater penalties for, you know, child trafficking, um, for fentanyl dealers, um, and all of them get stalled by this one committee. Mm. Um, and finally, the, the spotlight really got drawn on it and everybody became aware of just how bad this is that, you know, you're talking about stopping something that's going after child predators, right? Yeah. You're talking about stopping policy like that. People just got outraged and it finally just, you know, the national spotlight was on it. Um, I think the governor was embarrassed, right? Yeah. You know, the Democrats were embarrassed. He was taken aback. He, he, you know, when he was uh, interviewed, he's like, yeah, that got shot down. Like what happened there? He's like, I'm going to be making some phone calls. I know Shannon Grove. I'm going to be working with her directly, kind of doing a 180. Some yeah. people felt like it was he knows. maybe set up for it. I don't know. But. Yeah, he knows how radical this committee is. He knows, yeah. you know, the, the philosophy that this committee has adopted. I mean, this, this has been going on, like I said, for years, you know, um, and this isn't the first time, for example, that, you know, Shannon has run this bill. She's run it before and it's been stalled. Right. Mm, okay. Other people have run this. Jim Cooper, who's a Democrat, has run bills to like increase penalties um, for rampant theft, for violent crimes, for human trafficking. And his bills have been stalled in this same committee. This same committee. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is going on. This has been going on for at least 10 years. OK. Yeah. And and so that's what I mean is like this finally like put that spotlight on like this is how radical um, these folks are, you know, and yeah. they got embarrassed by it. And I think that's, you know, look, the governor's got national ambitions, right? He's running for president, you know, if not this time, definitely next time, right? He's mm -hmm. trying to set himself up and he doesn't want to have this, you know, bad right. press against that's him. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. I'm like, this looks so bad on him. That's probably why he's just like, we need to call, make the phone calls because what the heck happened here? What happened? Here? Why right. is this stalled? It's a national embarrassment to him because at the end of the day, you know, it's like President Biden says, the buck stops with you. If you're the right. governor, it doesn't matter if it's a public, you know, committee hearing or this or that. Those are all Democrats. You are the Democratic leader in California. You need to make sure this goes smoothly. So, of course, it was national outreach. And then I think rightfully so. 
And I think one of the things that uh, maybe helped, you know, I'm not trying to tie the two together, but the fact that Sound of Freedom, I don't know if you've watched it yeah. yet, Sound of Freedom, that's trending. That's, that's yes. a big movie that's going around about the real realities of, of child trafficking. And so here we have Sound of Freedom kind of trending nationwide. People are going to watch the movie. My wife and I went to go see it. Absolutely heartbreaking. It's something that, you know, I, I was DHS myself, so I was already privy and aware that right. child trafficking is very real, regardless of what the mainstream media wants to put on the headlines. I don't know if you saw, there was like some headlines out there saying that uh, The Sound of Freedom is a movie for brain dead, like brain worm dads or something, or dads with brain worms. And it's like, it's all conspiratorial and stuff. And I'm just like, what in the world? Like, this isn't a movie for brain dead dads. This is a reality of what's happening. Uh, but regardless, you know, that was trending. And so now we have a new headline, SB 14, that's aimed at child's, uh, to, uh, to stop child trafficking. But, you know, California is a border state. And we know that there's some illegal immigration that comes into uh, California from the Mexican side. Maybe not to the numbers that Texas has seen. But uh, how big is the problem? I don't know if you have like numbers or like if you know how big uh, it is in regards to child trafficking here in california what does that look like here because i know in some parts it's like a illegal slave uh like a slave labor where they have kids kind of work some corporate jobs or work out in the fields i know that that's been kind of talked about as well so maybe if you can just talk a little bit california about has some of the highest rates of human trafficking of any state in the nation i mean it's it is a big problem and that's mm -hmm. why there has been this push to say look we need to get serious on the accountability on the crime on the, the deterring you know, what we're seeing on our streets every day, our law enforcement are seeing this, you know, you know, actually Tim Ballard, you know, who, who made the, yeah. you know, made the movie um, and the movie's about like, he actually helped do a sting up in my, in my district in Sutter County where they got all these child predators, you know, on a sting operation, you mm -hmm. know, and he's been doing this, you know, all over, right. Yeah. All over the world. Um, and so this is a very real issue, you know, so for anybody to say that this is, you know, uh, you know, not to be taken seriously or that, you know, uh, people aren't really understanding the no man. This is a very real issue. Yeah, there are kids every day um, in this state who are in you know uh, slavery, you know effective slavery um, under the power of you know some perpetrator. Right. Yeah. Um, just recently, I was talking to a, a prosecutor. She's prosecuting um, you know this child trafficker right now, a human trafficker. Um, you know his his victim as an adult. But this guy literally like dragged a woman across pavement and asphalt. Um, she was trying to escape. He tracked her down. They have, they have witnesses. He drags her across pavement and asphalt, throws her back in the apartment, and, you know, an effective kidnapping, right? Yeah. This guy's a monster, right? And we should be able to go after this person with every part of the law. You know, he should, the fullest extent of the law mm -hmm. should be thrown at people like this, you know? Um, and so it's frustrating to just see, um, you know, Democrats that want to continue to close their eyes to this, you know, and not take it and not treat it with the seriousness um, that it deserves. And yes, you know, part of it is coming across the border. There are people that are being trafficked across the border. That's a fact. Fentanyl is coming across the border in, in huge numbers. That's where this is coming from. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having a secure border is a part of helping you know, solve this problem. In addition to here in California, having real penalties, you know, for people who are doing this and having real accountability and make sure they, they do time. You know, we're seeing people because of the automatic credits now that you, mm -hmm. you probably heard about automatic credits that are giving to people. Yeah. Um, somebody could commit this atrocious crime and be out in four years. Yeah. 
four years only to come back out and do it again. Yeah. Right. And have more victims. Um, so, you know, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing. We got to change Expecting it. And result, I think yeah. we're finally turning the tide, you know, with SB 14 and having that move forward. Now, a question you said that, you know, Tim Ballard was able to come into your, your district and, uh, you know, be able to do an operation there. Um, this is actually a, a good segue to the next one. So I, I have a good journalist friend. His name is Jorge Ventura, and he's done a couple of documentaries on the illegal weed grows in California yeah. uh, where like basically cartel are using uh, legal slave labor, you know, um, working with the Chinese cartel, with the Armenian cartel, with the Mexican cartel to illegally funnel people into the U.S. to work these weed grows and, and make money, essentially. Um, are these just things that fall between the cracks? Like, it, it, you know, it's simple for someone at home to say, well, where are the police? Why are the police not out there actively looking for these things if they know it's happening and they know that it's like a desert area, et cetera. But specifically to what you were saying with like Tim Ballard and the illegal, is this like a consequence of like defunding the police? Is this like a consequence of not um, like, is there a specific unit that takes care of this? Is this supposed to be in federal hands? Like, it kind of seems like uh, what's happening, like, you know, the government's always giving itself more money, especially at the at the federal level, maybe not at the state level. Um, and then I'm sure Democrats are soaking it all up for, you know, their experiments and stuff. But why is there no more like money being allocated to create these units that are actively going after, you know, child predators? I mean, if it's happening in California, it's one of those things where it's like, why is this happening here? I mean, you'd think in the most progressive state, in the United States, you know, they want a virtue signal that they're here for kids. Hey, we're passing all these laws to protect trans kids and we care about kids and all that stuff. But then they don't seem to care that all that much to create specific units to come after child predators. Is this just like falling behind, like between the cracks? Like what, what could, what more could be done? There's been some progress. I mean, so like there's been additional funding to help fund like human trafficking task force. Um, you know, that that has happened in recent years. Um, you know, we are seeing more like working together between local and state, you know, law enforcement to go after traffickers. Um, but I think the thing that's been missing is one, you got to have real penalties, you know, mm -hmm. that once we catch these people, right, that they're going to do real time and they're going to go away and they're going to be, you know, separated from society so they can't do this again right? right um and so that that is what i think has been missing that's why sb14 was needed you know the other thing that you know it got highlighted a little bit earlier this year but you know scott wiener you know had this bill last year right that basically legalized prostitution yeah. right that, that allowed people to be out on the streets and clearly soliciting you know themselves you know um you know selling themselves on the street for sex right mm. um and we saw um, just just this year, earlier this year, you know, there was a there was a priest uh, in Oakland who, who runs a school and he's saying, man, this is going on right outside of my school. Right. I got kids coming out of here. And, and he and he and he and he said and this is all reported in the media. You know, there's there are girls out there as young as, you know, 14, 16. And they're clearly being trapped. I mean, that's they're being trafficked, you know, right. being prostituted wow. on the streets. And because of this law, nothing's being done about it. Right. So Oakland, not not some like conservative bastion place. Right. You know, pretty blue. Yeah. Um, but people saying, look, this is unacceptable. Right? And see these policies, these type of policies. Right. Um, and then it happened again. There was a big sting um, in San Diego and the district attorney in San Diego called this out like, hey, this law 
You know, it's just another example, this decriminalization, you know, this criminal justice reform, this experiment <laughs> that has completely failed is actually enabling. She said it, you know, she said, this is enabling um, traffickers. This is enabling, you know, these pimps, these monsters, you know, um, and it needs to be called out. This is bad policy. And, and, the, and what needs to be done is it needs to be changed. Um, we nope. need to have real penalties and we need to go after these folks yeah. and ensure that they can't, they can no longer victimize our children. Now, why do you think that in this community, I, I think you said Oakland, why is it that people are okay with it? So you have this priest that's kind of raising the alarm and saying, Hey, FYI, everyone, the media is talking about this and there's 14 year old girls that are being trafficked into sex slavery here. Right. Why is it that maybe the community, I mean, is it just they just don't care? Is it like a misinformation? Is it disinformation? Are, are people just not that active? Or sometimes I feel, um, and maybe to a fault, that I, I understand that conservatives are, are, you know, more preoccupied with independent journalists, which is why I have even a channel to begin with. They're seeking alternative news. So maybe sometimes, uh, we're not tuned in locally to the local news because we're like, oh, well, it's fake news. You know, any, any, anything that has a script, an, an anchor, et cetera, it, it might be fake news. But I don't, I don't know if is that the might that play a factor the fact that people just don't trust the media anymore? Is, is they're not tuned in or why is it that this community is just, hey, there's a 14 year old out here being sex and it's like crickets? Well, the good news is I think people are finally getting awake to this right yeah you know? I mean, they've been asleep for a long time right and you know i think most people just don't really pay attention to what's going on in sacramento you know they're they're living their lives or working jobs or raising their families um and it's not until these things are actually in law and you're seeing the aftermath you know that people finally go what the heck happened like why did we do this you know and and so i think the good news is people are starting to say look this is this is crazy. Right. And it's not just in, you know, like more conservative places in California, man, it's in, it's in San Francisco, you yeah. know, um, you know, even like that CNN special that was done, you know, like CNN, obviously, you know, you know, no bastion of conservatism, <laughs> right. For yeah. sure. Um, but they highlighted, you know, people who describe themselves as liberals, you know, mm -hmm. um, in San Francisco saying we have lawlessness here, man. Like you can't have this, right. Like I don't feel safe going outside. I don't feel safe going on BART, right? Um, when you got somebody shooting up right next to you, you know, yeah. when you got um, people being assaulted. Um, you know, I just talked to a reporter here recently that literally got assaulted just coming off of, you know, the train, mm -hmm. right? By, you know, by, by what we see all too often, just a crazed person out of their mind, right? Um, and why aren't we doing something about this? You know, so I, mean, I think as, you know, we've had, reporters outside the Capitol, they literally had a smash and grab robbery while they were trying to do a report, man. Somebody <laughs> yeah. stole their camera right out of their car. And so, yes, I mean, I think, you know, to your point, man, independent journalism is calling more attention to this and has called more attention to this and has educated people and woken them up and connected this to like, they were seeing it, right. They were seeing it on the street, the problems. Mm -hmm. But finally, I think, you know, through people like yourself, mm -hmm. um, and others who are educating people, they're finally connecting like what they are seeing with the policy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, hey, man, that's happening exactly. because, you know, they passed these laws, right? And they've handcuffed the police, you know, 
to where the police can do very little about it, or they just get a citation. You know, mm -hmm. people are robbing stores and they can steal as much as $950 in merchandise and nothing happens to them. That's reality, right? Yeah, I, I think that that's where we are in California and where uh, I've told people before, like, because people always get, you know, well, why don't people care? And it's like, it finally has to happen to them. Sometimes, you know, and it's fair because it's, it's one of those things where until it happens to you, until you see it, you're not understanding because people are so busy. And I think with California being one of the, you know, highest cost of living areas, I think most people are like, I got to work. And sometimes right. I got to work two jobs. And if I'm not working a second job, I need to maximize my time, whether it's more hours at work or it's, you know, whatever the case might be. And so people should like, I, I think that people that are tuned in like yourself and myself, we assume that most people should know these things, but the reality right. is, and I think the reason why you and I probably understand this because you've probably talked to a lot of people. Right. And so you see the reality like, oh man, like we need to do better in communication. We need to go on podcasts, you know, and, and, right. and make our voices heard or, or our policies, et cetera. Um, or, um, you know, uh, whatever the case might be. Um, but we need to, uh, with me, when I talk to people, I realize that they don't have any idea. P point in case, uh, Roe v. Wade got overturned, um, right. uh, you know, what was it a month ago or something like that? And so what ended up happening was, uh, no, it wasn't a month ago, was it? Was it last year, Roe last v. Wade? Year. Last year, Roe v. Wade. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, and so I remember being in downtown Los Angeles because for whatever reason, they decided to go protest down there. And everyone was so confused. They're like, why is Los Angeles, you know, protesting? We're about to pass AB1, which basically guarantees the safety of abortion in our state amendment, you know, or our state constitution, rather. And so um, when I went down there, uh, I'm sure you've probably been in downtown LA where like you have like those cart sellers, like the Hispanic people that are selling hot dogs and like, yeah, right. you know, stuff like that. So the street vendors essentially. And so the street vendors were there at the protest and they're looking to make money, you know, and like, Hey, it's going to be a good, a good day for us with sales and stuff. So I'm talking to the woman and she very, very limited English. And so I'm talking to her in Spanish and I noticed a cross on her necklace. And I asked her like, Oh, are you Catholic? And, um, Usually the way I'm able to tell if it's Catholic or Protestant, I'm Protestant myself, but usually the Catholics have the Jesus on the cross. as opposed Right. To yeah. <laughs> I, I learned that as well. You know, yeah, a, exactly. my dad's side's Catholic. I was raised Protestant. You there know, you go. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I was like, are you Catholic? And she's like, yeah, my, me and my husband are. And so she pointed to the other person that was there selling. And I didn't know, I just thought it was just two friends or whatever. And then they had their daughter there with them too. And their kid. And, and I think it was like a girl and boy. Um, and so I asked her, she, she asked me, um, what are they protesting? And I'm like, well, Roe v. Wade just got overturned. She had no idea what Roe v. Wade was. So I had explained to her what Roe v. Wade was. And then and then some of the signs that the Republicans, uh, I'm sorry, that the Democrats there were holding uh, and the activists, et cetera, were abortion up to nine months and on demand. And so we went from, you know, Bill Clinton, I think famously he said, uh, you know, safe, legal and rare. Right. Uh, or, or something to that. Right. And, and now we've moved away from rare to now up to nine months and on demand. And so I told her that and she's like, that's terrible. I'm like, oh, so you're not for abortion? And she's like, no. She's like me and my husband. We, I mean, look at us. We're out here working and we don't have anywhere to leave our kids. So we brought them to work with us and they're just hanging out in the back. And so I'm like, so what do you think about this? She's like, this is satanic. Like, this is awful what they're trying to do, like up to nine months. And I asked her, 
probably the most important question yet. And I said, are you registered to vote? And she said, I don't really care about politics. It's <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just here to sell hot dogs, man. Like I'm just, I came to this country to work the opportunities that it's given me. And I just don't want to get involved politically. She's like, look, you had to explain everything to me. Cause I have no idea. Like I don't have time to catch up with policies. I'm here to work. So there is that disconnect, right? Um, and, and and that's why we're here today to have this conversation, to talk about SB14. Great uh, for for all of you. And I'm so proud of all of you. Honestly, um, I have a lot of friends that are Republicans uh, that are in the assembly. We helped put Mike Garcia in the uh, in, right. to Congress. Uh, big loss with Suzette, but um, we've got yeah. other great uh, people in it still fighting. And so... Um, you know, you talked about fentanyl, you talked about SB 14 homelessness. So the report is that, you know, we've spent billions on homelessness and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. In fact, especially in Los Angeles, I think there was, I don't know, like 16% increase, you know, over the last year or so. Right. And so it just, it, it's homelessness. I feel is going to be one of those things that we continue to pour money into and it's just the results only get worse. Can you just elaborate a little bit on what, as the Republicans, what have you all been trying to do? What are you hoping to accomplish? There's a lot of business owners that are sick and tired of it because their business is in downtown LA or in, in these areas where the homeless tend to kind of be allowed to run rampant. What is your message to, 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 to California residents? Well, you highlighted, man. I mean, it's a total failure in California. We've spent over $17 billion now. <sighs> over the last three years trying to solve homelessness here. And I've seen these Democrats time and time again, they pass some law or they pass more money and they like pat each other on the back, like they've done something, you know? Um, And obviously what we, what we've been doing is just spending a lot of money and it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. The, you know, homelessness has increased. Meanwhile, a state like Texas, right. You know, which has spent a lot less, but it's done in an effective way. It's gotten more people. They've actually decreased homelessness, right? That report just came out. You know, Texas has decreased homelessness. California has increased it. They've spent about $900 per homeless person uh, in Texas. Mm-hmm. We spent over $10,000 oh per homeless person in California when you add up all the money that's been spent. What and about we- the report that's allegedly, I don't know if it's true, maybe you can verify it, that other states send their homelessness, homeless people to us either by train or means of transportation because they know that we have like a quote unquote infrastructure to be able to support them better. So it's just easier for them to be like, look, just head on over to California. Cause I did read a report that said that uh, less than 50% or less than 60%. Uh, I forget exactly what the percentage was, but about half of homeless people here in California are not even California residents. So they're coming from other States possibly because of the weather Maybe the tacos. I don't know. Uh, you know, but uh, I don't know if you have any insight on that. Is, is, you, you, maybe the government's incentivizing it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't know the exact numbers on that. Um, you know, and, and we do have a lot of our own homelessness in California. Right. Um, but uh, certainly like you, I mean, we've seen like there's been man on the street interviews, you know, like Michael Schellenberger has done a great job of highlighting Phenomenal. this in San Francisco. Um, you know, there's different folks, you know, they're really showing and like, you, they talk to people on the street and they're like, yeah, man, I came here because this, I could do drugs and, and all the services are here and I can, you know, basically live this kind of lifestyle. Right. Um, so that is certainly attracting a certain element. Um, and what I say is it's just, it's an enablement strategy. Yep. An enablement strategy is a failure, right? What we need is an empowerment strategy. How do we get people off of the street? 
Right. And I think what we have been favoring as Republicans is saying, look, man, first of all, there does have to be accountability, man. You can't just be living on the streets. We can't have encampments and 10 encampments all over the place. You know, not only like one, that's not a good place for you to be. It's not a healthy place for you to be. People are getting raped there. They're getting attacked. Yeah, uh, they're dying insane. on the street there because from fentanyl overdoses. That's not okay. Right. But it's also like, that's not good for the community, man. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want my kids having to walk over homeless people as they go to school. Right. I don't want to have to my kids to worry about like stepping on syringes. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of people are saying, look, this has got to end. It's why Suzette Valladares, you know, actually was proposing the policy last year to ban encampments, right. you know, in proximity to schools and childcare centers. Right. And that was something that actually L.A. had done. Right. Like they had, they had passed that ordinance and she said, Hey, let's make this a statewide ordinance. Right. Um, and like you said, man, I, I mean, I miss Suzette. Like she was an awesome legislator. She's coming back. That's the good news. She's running for Senate. Um, that was my biggest heartbreak is her losing that race by 500 votes. Um, yeah. in this last cycle, but what you're seeing, but to that point, like Republicans are stepping up and saying, we have a better way, man. And it's accountability, getting people off the street and get them into, you know, shelter and services. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to do that, then, hey, you need to move along, right? Like we can't just, you know, allow basically vagrancy, right? We want to get you help. Like this is where you can, if you, if you have a drug problem, like, well, hey, you know, we have a lot of services out there. We have a lot of, you know, when we combine all of our local and nonprofit, you know, powers, like we can get people into drug treatment. We can get people mental health care, right? And we don't need to build like in LA County, $760,000 a unit apartments, <laughs> You know, we can get people so into, nice. you know, there's, there's, there's shelters, there's different, there's much more cost-effective options that more importantly, get that person into stability, right. right? If you want it, right? And that's, that's the other key is like, some people are rejecting services. That's not, I mean, if you're rejecting services, um, you know, if, well, there's two things there. You could be somebody who's just like out of their mind, right? You know, and we see them on the street every day. They have severe mental illness they're a danger to themselves and others well i think we should put people into conservatorships that are in that situation and 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 basically force them on their meds so they can get well right you but know if you're that, a person that's just coming here to hang out and do drugs yeah no man like there needs to be accountability and and they need to be enforced upon um and if and, it, and then otherwise you can get help through these services that we have available. So two part question. So you, we're, we're talking about, you know, enforcing uh, homelessness, like, hey, you either need to get evicted or you can't be on the streets. So I assume that would require either like a task force with law enforcement present or just law enforcement. Sheriff Villanueva was famous for, for doing that, going in, sweeping and like, hey, you can't be here. We've warned you multiple times. Now we're picking up your stuff. That angered the far left. That angered this apparently new group of progressives that say that all transient rights are, you know, transient rights are human rights. And if you just want to sit down and squat, then you should be able to, even if you're mentally ill, even if you're assaulting people, that's just the way, Hey, you know, that's, right. and so it's nuts. And so you, what you uh, did say, however, so my first question is how would Republicans enforce it? So would it be, you're giving like a like a three strike rule. Hey, we're going to come in. We're going to tell you you cannot be in front of this business. If we find you here again or if you cannot be in front of the school, if you come here again, you're going to get arrested and all your stuff's going to be taken. And then what's from stopping that from like a George Soros appointed DA or like, you know, um, uh, what was the guy's name from Los Angeles? 
Gascon. 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 Yeah. What's from stopping him saying like, sure, you can keep sending him to jail, but we're going to keep releasing him no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so now it just becomes like a never ending cycle. And then I know police specifically have told me we've just stopped responding because right. it's just basically a catch and release. We're basically a transportation service right. for homeless people to jail. And then Gascon and his cronies allow this guy to get out. My second question to you is you talked about conservative conservatorship, right? For, for some of the homeless that just, Hey, they're just not there anymore. Right. They have done consumed so many drugs and alcohol and, and who knows what else pair that into whatever natural chronic diseases they already had, whether it's mental, physical, whatever it might be. Uh, Eric Adams out of New York, he actually famously, I couldn't believe he said it, but he's like, we're going to start forcing people to take medication or to like, we're going to literally grab them, force them into places where it's either a mental institution or places where they need to get better. Um, but that's controversial. You know, once you start talking about we're going to we as a government are going to force people. Now, the question is, like, well, wait a minute. What are we considering mental illness? You know what I mean? Because now the wording and stuff like that. So. Right. Well, I mean, so, I mean, on the first question, um, there are challenges with the enforcement. The biggest one is the Boise decision out of the Ninth Circuit. Um, so a lot of different localities have actually gotten sued for enforcing like anti-camping ordinances or, you know, anti-loitering uh, ordinances. Cause what that ruling essentially says is you have to have a bet. If you're going to enforce those, you have to have a place for that person to go. Right. Um, but what I think what we're saying is like, there's the ability to have those places to go that are actually pretty cost effective. And if we like actually pulled our existing resources together, um, and some jurisdictions are already doing this, like San Diego actually did this pretty effectively, you know, under Mayor Falconer, um, you know, now that has gone away since the new mayor has come in. Right. Of course. Um, but prior to that, they were actually getting people like, Hey, here, here's a place you can go. You know, we have the, we have shelter and services here and they were getting people off the street and they were actually reducing homelessness. Right. Um, you know, when Todd Gloria came in as mayor, um, he kind of did away with those kind of policies and allowed the, went back to the progressive view of, Hey, let's just enable people, bring the services to them on the street. And what'd you get? You know, you got, you know, encampments everywhere. So, yeah. um, there are issues with Boise and, and I think actually, I think localities should band together and try and challenge that decision. You know I mean? I think that's something that's gotta be done, but in the meantime, there is the ability to go and enforce and get people off of the street. We should ban encampments with, you know, around schools, childcare centers, you know, that, that should be policy. Um, so those things that we can do on that front. Um, when I'm talking about conservatorship, man, I'm talking about, we already have laws on the books, but um, it's called, uh, you know, uh, 5150, right? If you are out of your mind, you know, like you can get picked up and you can put on a 72 hour hold. Right. And this is, again, this is if you have severe mental illness, you're on the street, you're a danger to yourself or others. What we've been talking about is like that, that standard should be changed to make it to where you can actually hold people longer who are in that situation. Right. So we're not talking about, you know, the everyday person. Um, right. We're talking about people on the streets that are like attacking people. They're going into businesses and wigging out on people. Um, you know, they're, they're literally dying on the street. Right. Um, that we can actually get those people into a conservatorship to get them to stability. Right. Hey, get you to stability so that you can, you know, make a decision. That's not going to be for everybody. It's a very limited, you know, group of people. Um, 
I get that, man. Like, obviously, I don't want a slippery slope where we're going back to the days when people get thrown into institutions, right? right because yeah. their family member didn't like them or something like that. That's yeah. not what we're talking about, you know. Um, this is just, a, I think, a reasonable change to that law to deal with some of the most severely mentally ill uh, on the street, right? But we got to, let's, but those are the things we got to do. We have to have accountability. You can't just allow lawlessness Correct, yeah. on the streets and you can't allow open air drug sites, right? I mean, this is crazy. I mean, I was I was in San Francisco recently and and I was shocked, man, like walking down the street and that is exactly what was going on, you know. The people, you know, doing drugs, you know, right there in plain sight. Um, you know, Gavin talks about, "Oh, I'm sending in CHP. We're going to go crack down there." But like, I didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's still going on. Um, you know, London Breed is talking more about, you know, you know, taking a more hardline approach. I think that's good, but they need to actually do it, right? Um, so, and I think it's because it's finally affecting the journalists, right? So, finally, all these journalists that are lined up in Sacramento near the San Francisco area. Now it's finally affecting them. I'm nothing them. I'm nothing else. I saw some journalists that were posting like, "We just got, you know, we came to report in San Francisco on the smash, you know, smashing and grabbing, and then we yeah. got smash and grab, right? You know." And so, what's interesting is that for so long, the media has been in bed with Democrats here in California. And I know it because I follow a lot of these journalists. Um, some of them are good. You know, some of them are, are, are pretty good people. Um, and, and then some of them you can just tell, you know, I'm like, man, this isn't even news. This is like propaganda on behalf of. Right. You know, and so now that it's affecting them, it's like now they're just like, hey, maybe we do need to start changing some of these laws because, now it's affecting us as well. Right. And so, you know, I know that uh, you co-authored uh, one of the bills, AB 1314, kind of shifting a little bit from the economy and homelessness. Because I feel like I've been interviewing people since 2018. Homelessness, 2018, 2020, right. 2022. Here we are going, going into 2024. Right. And again, it's just one of those things I said, like, I feel like we just keep pouring money into it. You said $17 billion? Yeah. Right or something. Seventeen like that. billion. Yeah, 17, over seventeen billion. Over seventeen billion, and the new budget has even more money in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh going God. after the same failed system. Yeah, more money into the same failed system. Oh it's, my it's gosh! Crazy. But so you did AB thirteen fourteen, uh, which makes teachers inform parents of any gender terms or how their children identify. So I'm going to quickly read that uh, for those at home. It says uh, this is uh, education source March 15, 2023. California bill would require school employees to notify parents if child identifies as transgender. A new California bo uh, bill would require uh, teachers, counselors and other school employees to notify a parent that your child is publicly identifying as transgender, transgender within three days from the date they become aware. The bill, AB 1314, would require school employees to notify in writing when a student uses sex-segregated school programs, such as joining an athletic team or using bathroom facilities that do not align with the sex in their official records. California law currently protects students' privacy on this matter. Um, it says the bill is introduced by Assemblyman uh, Bill Asaley. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Asaley. Right. Yeah. And then Riverside and Assemblyman uh, Mr. James Gallagher. Here we go from Yuba yeah. City. Said he told the Sacramento Bee that he was approached with the idea for the bill by the conservative Fresno-based California Family Council. And what's so unique about that is that I think you could probably agree that in the last maybe two, three years, I think post-pandemic, because people were finally able to tune in to what their children were learning. And they're like, wait a minute, what the heck's going on here? And so 
I think this bill was great. I think that uh, you're going to garner a lot of support from families throughout California, left and right, because I'm seeing it already. Right. Just recently, I was at the Glendale protests. I don't know if you're aware of the yeah. Glendale protests. I'm, I'm sure you, it made national news, global news, actually. I had people sharing it globally, and I was like, holy smokes. Um, and uh, people are really concerned about the direction of what Cal the California education system is, is taking and, and what children are being taught. And when I'm speaking to Hispanic immigrants, and I'm talking to Armenian immigrants specifically in Glendale area. They're saying that they feel like they're taking advantage of because either the language barrier or maybe they're taking advantage because they know that, um, you know, they're working hard. They don't have generational wealth or, or anything like that. Um, and so they, they're working hard. They're trying to get their children a good education and in comes the wokeness. And so you co-authored this bill. Can you kind of just walk us through? that whole process and, and what you're hoping to achieve here. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. What I'm saying we're trying to turn the world right side up again. Yeah. It's gone completely upside down. And one of the areas this is, this is the most prevalent is parents' rights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is so what happened was, um, you know, Bill Asaley and I, you know, co-authored this legislation in response to what we were seeing in some of the school districts and parents who had actually sued over this exact issue. So in my district in Chico, um, you know, we had uh, a parent whose child had been transitioned at school, you know, gender transitioned at school without them ever talking to her about it. Right. Never informed her, you know, and only after she found out later that they, oh, yeah, in fact, she's, you know, changing clothes. She's using a different bathroom at school. You know, did she finally get informed of this? And she sued the school district, mm -hmm. you know, over this, because at the end of the day, like, shouldn't parents know? what you're doing with my kid at school, Absolutely. especially if you're going to do something drastic, like begin them down the process of changing their gender. Parents should be the first person to know about any of this stuff. And in what other area do we not do this? Right? Like if my kid is having a problem at school, you better bet. I want to know about it, man. Absolutely. So I can actually deal with that. Like if they're, if they're experiencing bullying at school, mm -hmm. you know, if they're having a mental health breakdown at school, wouldn't you call me? Wouldn't you inform me? But so then we dug a little bit deeper, right? There is no statute in California, no law that says this, that says that school districts don't have to inform parents, right? Um, and we, we read through the statute that they were citing. It says nothing about that. You know, it says about providing accessibility, you know, at school, right, for transgender students, but it doesn't say anything about not informing parents. So what we found out was the California Department of Education was sending out, you know, um, you know, advisements and, um, uh, guidances to school districts saying that if, if there's a kid, you know, that wants to tra transition at school, wants to start using a different bathroom, wants to start using different pronouns, you shall not tell the parents. They were literally had a secrecy policy, this like underground secrecy policy that they were telling school districts, you have to do this because this is the law, even though it's not right. So assembly member Asaley and I said, this is ridiculous. It's wrong. Let's put this into the code that, no, you will tell the parents. That's, that should be the default, right? right. You know? Um, and, and, and look, in so many instances, this is going on, right? Where it's like the school district, the counselor, the school official knows better than you as a parent. And I think when people hear this, again, like when people get educated about this, they're incensed. They're like, this is, no, this is ridiculous, right? Like, absolutely, you will tell the parents. So yeah. fast forward, we introduced this bill. And it got referred to the education committee. The education chair, uh, Al Maritsucci, refused to hear the bill, like wouldn't even give us a hearing. 
and said that why he said that he said in a public statement written statement that this would provide a platform for hate like Mm -hmm. hearing our bill would provide a platform for hate and this is what the left does right they like vilify and demonize you for daring to question anything about this and so many people are saying look this is crazy we have to stop this right and these parents are rising up um, and I, I think this is going to be one of the hottest issues, you Absolutely. know, is parents' rights and restoring, you know, the proper authority back to the parents when it comes to their kids' education, when it comes to their health care. No, dude, you don't know better, government. No, yeah. absolutely not. We will fight to protect our children. We will fight fiercely. I'm a father of five. You know, man, like this is really important to me. Sure, you're not Catholic. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, but I get that a lot. You know? um, yeah, you yeah. know, and you know what's so crazy is that when I when I Googled uh, AB thirteen fourteen, I have it ready to kind of read it. So the actual bill, the .gov, was like fifth down when you Google it, mm-hmm. but at the very top, and it's a sponsored um, uh, a link. It goes into uh, Equality California. So when you actually go into Google and put AB 1314 to try to see what the actual bill.gov says, it's like fourth or fifth in line. The very first hit is against you. And so it's Equality California. And it says statement in opposition of anti-LGBTQ plus Assembly Bill 1314 by Assemblyman Saley and Gallagher. And uh, it says here, the California Legislative LGBTQ Caucus issued the following statement regarding Assembly Bill 1314. The California Legislative LGBTQ Caucus is united in ensuring that our children are protected and safe. Always with the words with these people. There's just, ah, it irritates me. Right. And it says, but legislation that aims to out transgender and non-binary students against their will does not protect them. Even that's ridiculous, right? (laughs) Because like, hey, if the kid is at school saying, call me by a different name, I want, I'm going to, you know, wear different, you know, clothing of a different gender. Aren't they already out? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So this whole thing about them saying, oh, you're going to out them, you know, like that's ridiculous, right? Like that's, yeah. the, the truth is they don't want parents to be in charge. They want somebody else to be in charge, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about gender dysphoria, like, look, I care about these kids, right? Right. I, you know, I care about kids in our school system, right? Because at the end of the day, they're children. It doesn't and matter if they're And you know who cares not. about them the most? Their parents, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, if a kid is going through, you know, any mental health issue or they're going through gender dysphoria, like the parents should be involved. And this this is what me and Bill Saley were saying from day one on this bill. We never got a hearing, never got an even, this is the other thing that never gets talked about is how the the legislature shuts down debate, man. Mm -hmm. They censor things. They don't even allow bills to get heard. I mean, even going back to, I had a bill on wildfire, right? Cause I, I, you know, I represent paradise that burned down in the 2018 campfire. I've been through the devastation of this man. Yeah. And I'm trying to do something about it. I had a bill that said, hey, let's re- let's exempt from CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act, any wildfire projects that are for prevention, right? For fuel reduction to prevent wildfires. I couldn't even get a hearing for that. I had the, the chair of natural resources, um, you know, lose Rebus, would not hear my bill. Yeah. And use as an excuse, COVID was like, oh, well, we're in, it was during COVID and like, oh, we only have so much time in the committee room. I can't hear all the bills. And I'm like one of the biggest issues facing my district, wildfire. You didn't have time yeah. you know, to hear the bill. Like, but that's the bottom line. If they don't like something or if it goes against their dogma, you know, of they're going to shut you down and they're not going to let you even get a hearing. And it's wrong. You know, and that's something that's got to stop. Just like they're vilifying parents, man. Yeah. Parents that show up to schools having legitimate concerns about what's being taught, 
and what's going on at their school. You know, they were labeled terrorists, you know, right. by the Biden administration. Yeah. These aren't terrorists, man. These are concerned parents. And I think that's going to be a big issue. You know, that, you know, people Absolutely. are, people are fired up. They're fed up. Um, and you're going to hear those voters speak, you know, in this next election. So what's, where is exactly uh, AB 1314 now? Um, so is it just dead? Or is it going to be picked up later? Is it going to be heard? It's essentially dead in the education committee, you know? So now what we, you know, um, you know, Assemblyman Asali and I have sort of transitioned now um, to, to basically helping districts. Um, uh, you know, Bill was actually just talking about this. We've been giving districts resources to say, hey, you do not have to follow this policy. Um, and there's guidance coming out um, from different groups about what you can, you know, let, I think we need to move to the school board level, right? And you know, people who are concerned about this issue, school boards can step up and say, no, we are going to have a policy that empowers parents. We are going to have a policy that ensures that parents know what's going on with their kids at school. Um, and so I think that's where we go next. You know, we, we obviously aren't going to get a fair uh, hearing in the in the legislature, but we can go to the local level. You know, we can go to the school board level where there's been a lot of great activity, you know, and there are school boards who are standing up and saying enough is enough. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and that's a good segue going into 2024 is what seats, what seats are we targeting? What seats are Republicans targeting? What are you looking at? What are yeah. the things that I tell a lot of my audience members, you know, uh, they say like, Hey man, what do you think? Like, is Trump going to win California in 2024? And I'm just like, man, it's, it's time to realize that California is so it, it it's such a battle state. We're, we're in such dires out here that it's time to focus on, at the local level, let's look at school boards. How can we flip school boards, city council, school, you know, board of supervisors, because in many ways, and this is something I've come to learn is even during, you know, the pandemic, president Trump was limited to what he could do to help out Californians because you had a state legislature that was majority Democrats. And then you had a governor that was almost at odds in every way with the president. So even if best case scenario, you know, your guy won in 2024, DeSantis, um, even like uh, the special election with Larry Elder. Mm. I'm like, even if Larry Elder would have won, he's still, he, there's still very limited things he could do because the state legislature is majority Repub uh, Democrat. So I, I, I try to tell people, focus on the hyper local. So with that in mind, um, targeted seats of 2024, you just said it best. I think we can unite with parents. We can unite with flipping school boards because i think you know florida's is is a great example of this but what's so unique about florida is it's no longer like a contested state it's like deep yeah, red it's now. Pur purple state man yeah now it's red and, and now it's deep red but what's beautiful about it is that miami the third largest you know city in in the entire nation i, I believe it is uh, as far as um or, i don't know if it's the third largest city or the third largest school board. I think New York City is first, then it's LA, and I think it's Miami. So I think that that's a statistic. But they were able to flip that from a, a Democratic majority to a Republican. And in many ways, that was way more important to the people of Miami than it was having a Republican governor per se. Because again, and, and I, I've come to learn this, these people have a bigger hold over your life, your day-to-day how your children will be, what they will be taught, how they will be taught, what schools, are, what, what books are going to be allowed in that school system, um, what books, uh, your, your, your board of supervisors. I mean, you know, I live in a pretty conservative pocket of Los Angeles up north. Won't say it on air, 
but um, uh, our our mayor, our our board of supervisors, we opened up a lot sooner than the rest of California, and our school board so members up north, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they made it clear to us like we're doing everything we can to push back, and even yeah. when it came down to some of the mandates with the children. Our school boards were like, we're going to fight this. Like, you don't have to worry about this. Like, if we need to get fired for this, then we're going to get fired for this, you know? But you you can rest assured that we're going to fight like hell. And so these are the seats we need to be fighting for. Like, I right. tell people, like, just stop worrying about it so much. Like, sure, pick your guy. DeSantis, Trump, Nikki Haley, that's fine. But please worry more about your school board, even if you don't have kids. If, if yeah. you allow the school board and to your, be, hey, you know, and your assembly seats, right? I assembly need some seats. No, I no, need, no of course, in, of course. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. But that, but yeah. here's the thing: is that every election, I get people like, "Hey, man, I'm ready to vote," and then they they get their ballots and they're like, "What the heck is a state assembly, man? Or like, <laughs> who? What's a state senator? Right. Like, what do you, is this like the same thing as that? Even more so, they're like, "Why are we voting for judges? Right? And it's just like. No, yeah. like we need to do better. There's like a lot of education that has to be done. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so I would say, you know, going back to your your previous point where it's like the reason why we got to fight here, man, is because it does, if, you know, people that are leaving to go to other states, you don't think that this is going to come to you. It, it will. It's going to come to you, man. Like this is the front line, man. California is the front line. Amen. And the things that happen here spread to other states and they go to other places. And yep. that, that, you know, we are in a big philosophical battle right now, man, a worldview battle and that we have to win. And so we need to fight the battle here. And look, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I've been telling people this, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's winning those things over time. Like, even, like Florida, that took time. Texas, Texas used to be a very blue state, right? And over time, talking to people, you know, especially the Latino voters, right? Mm -hmm. um, they were able to win over and make that a red state and say, look, you know, these are the policies that really work, right? So we have to win that worldview battle. And I think it starts incrementally, right? It starts by winning school board seats. And we had a lot of wins at school board last cycle. Um, we picked up some, you know, two really big seats. We had battles in Sacramento and out in the desert and Josh Hoover and Greg Wallace won those battles, you know? Um, so now going into 2024, I have my side set on assembly district 76. This is in Escondido, San Marcos, Northern San Diego County. Christy Bruce Lane is running there. Yeah. Um, 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 beat Brian Mainshine, a tenure democratic incumbent last time, got 48% of the vote. Um, she's all in this time. It's an open seat. Got a great opportunity to win. So we got to win that seat. I'm going to be hyper-focused on that. Um, Riverside County, I think, is ripe. Um, yeah. you know, Sabrina Cervantes, this is Assembly District 58. She's trying to run for Senate. You know, was trying to get her sister to, to follow her in. Her sister just got a DUI. Uh, I saw yeah, that. So she's, like she's second running time, there. Right? Think, yeah. But we have Leticia Castillo, you know, who's running in that seat, you know. Um, Latino, you know really active in the community, working hard, um, shares our worldview, man, like trying to make sure that we win the seat. Now this is a highly Latino seat. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we've been like, you know, in Riverside County, Republicans have been getting more of the share of Latino votes. You know, mm -hmm. we need to double down on that. We could win that seat. Absolutely. Um, you know, last time in that seat, we had, you know, a candidate who didn't really do a whole lot and, and, um, but got 46% of the vote, you know, 46%. So we're close there. Right. Um, I see opportunities in the Central Valley. I see opportunity. I want to go back and 
and win that seat that we lost, uh, you know, in Santa Clarita, yeah. <laughs> you know, and in Northern Los Angeles County, you know, let's retire Pilar Shiva, um, who I think is a very, you know, radically progressive way out of touch with that district. Um, this is again, a much more centrist district. Um, we narrowly lost that last time. I think we can win it back. We're talking to some really good candidates there. Um, so, um, we're going to be looking at all these different seats, um, you know, and, and my objective, when I came in as leader a year ago, I said, look, we got to go on the offensive. Yeah. We've been on the defensive all the time. We're always explaining say and that all the time. letting them like, yeah. you know, control the narrative. Now we're, now we're on the offense, man. We started off with the gas tax. Like, man, why won't you suspend the gas tax? Give everybody relief right now. Put them on the defensive, right? We did that on fentanyl this year. We're doing that on, you know, child trafficking right now. Why are you guys say, why are you guys voting against these common sense policies? Um, that people support. Um, so, and we're doing that with candidates too. I'm going out there and aggressively recruiting candidates and we're going to go on the offensive against these democratic incumbents and take them out, Yeah, you know, expose them, man. You know, you expose their deeds, how they're voting, yeah. you know, on these crazy, you know, on these crazy bills that everybody is incensed about, you know, do they support, you know, parents, man, do they support getting, make sure that every kid has a, an opportunity in education. Right. Absolutely. Um, and if they're not, man, expose it and and then drive home the message, right? And so, um, I've been doing that for the last year. I want to build on it, and I want to have even more success in 2024. I think we can pick up seats, um, and that's going to begin, you know, turning the tide um, to where eventually, man, you know, I want to see us become a a Republican state again. That right? would be amazing. Yeah. It would be amazing, not just for the Republican Party. It'd be amazing for, I believe, every California. For the country. Yeah, for the country. Yeah. Because if you can win California, if you can even show hints, like signs of life, you know, finally the mainstream conservative message, which they need to knock it off over there, is not to flee California. It's to send reinforcements, whatever that right. looks like, you know, donations. Stand and fight or just with us, man. Stand and fight. Yeah, like Scott Presser. We just had him. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles General Republicans. We had him do a training on like ballot harvesting and and get out the votes and and he you know he's been yeah we gotta beat them at their own game man beat them at their own game really good point is like absolutely yeah we did do ballot harvesting this last cycle and we did ballot curing too because there was a bunch of people who had their ballots actually kicked out right you know because of stupid stuff like we i even had one i went to a door the gal just got married and so she signed her ballot in her married name and at the registrar's office it was under her maiden name so that built her vote she almost lost her vote, you know, because it had gotten kicked out. We went and like, you know, you can cure that ballot by they sign an affidavit saying, yeah, that was my vote. And I intended to do it. So, um, you know, the Democrats have been doing this, man. Like they've been going out there doing ballot harvesting um, and they've been in communities telling them lies. Right. For years, like we got to go tell them the truth and we got to ballot harvest and we got to do all those things, you know, on the offensive, Again, right. going on the offensive. Um to win these seats. So one of the last questions I have for you here is, um, and, and everyone always talks about this, especially after the 2020 election is election integrity. I know that after the special recall for Gavin Newsom, he essentially signed a law that makes it um, perfectly legal to go out and ballot right. harvest. So a lot of people don't feel, you know, comfortable. They don't feel that the elections are secure. They, I've talked to a lot of Republicans that say, the vote doesn't matter. We just talked about Suzette Martinez Valladares. She lost by 570 votes in a district that had 30,000 Republicans not vote. Right. And, you know, I, I've been one of those people that I tell people, 
there can be arguments made. Um, we can talk about how there was odds stacked against us, how they played the, the ground game better than we did. There's a lot of questionable things, sure. But that should never stop you from voting. Never, ever, ever, no. ever. And so what are some things that maybe you can reassure us that Republicans are working on to ensure election integrity? I know that um, with local GOP, one of the things they do is um, uh, so ballot harvesting, obviously. But also you can go out and be like a poll worker, right? So you can actually work the polls. I saw some people on Riverside that were there curing some of the votes, right? I remember right. post-2022, the California GOP reached out to me and they said, um, hey, we need help curing some votes in some districts. Do you have any volunteers? So these are just things that people are not aware of that they could do themselves to have voter integrity. Can you just kind of walk us through maybe two, three things that people could no, hey, this is what you could do yourself, but also as Republicans, this is what we're doing to make sure your vote right. counts. Well, one thing I want to say is, man, we are not giving up the fight. We haven't given up the fight. We actually ran, you know, legislation this year, um, you know, to ensure that we, you know, Bill Saley ran this bill is like, hey, let's have election day voting, you know, and let's go back to how we used to vote where we we're voting at the polls, you know, and not yeah. all mail ballot you know, elections. Right. So we've been fighting that, but the problem is like, you know, the Democrats have the super majority, right? Yeah. Like, so any bill that we push forward, they're shutting these things down in committee. Like it doesn't mean that we're not fighting, man. So I want people to know, like we are fighting for integrity. One of the first bills I did as an assembly member when I came in was a voter ID law, you know? Nice. And I was like, look, man, we do this in every other context. Why aren't we like requiring ID when you vote? Right. Um, I got shut down in the elections committee. Right. But we're still fighting for these things. So I want people to know that like we are fighting, but like, and we got to win, we got to win elections. Right. And so right now the rules are, look, you can ballot harvest and the Democrats are doing it, man. Yeah. They're using their interest groups to go around and collect votes. Well, dude, we can do the same thing. Right. In fact, we, we can do that through our churches. They, the Dems actually tried to challenge us on this because we had, um, you know, ballot collection boxes that we were putting at like, you know, gun stores, at churches, at different locations. And uh, Padilla tried to sue us, you know, and say, hey, you can't do that. We won, you know, mm -hmm. so we can harvest too, man. Like, and we got to, we can do it. I think the churches like are a great place for us to do this. Um, you know, Jack Hibbs church, you know, did it this last, last cycle. Yeah. But I think every church can actually be a place where we, you know, Hey, bring your ballot in and vote and vote early, man. Like bring yeah. that vote in as, as soon as you can get, you know, uh, as, as soon as you can vote, get it in like too often we're waiting till election day. And the problem with that, man, I get it. Like, I mean, I like to go to the polls, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but man, if you have that ballot, get it in because what, what if something happens to you that you can't get it, you know, some unforeseen thing happens and you can't show up that day. That's a vote that we won't get, right? Absolutely. If we don't harvest it and collect ballots from the people that we know support our worldview, man, because again, this is a battle of worldviews, man. You know, this is a battle against the Gavin Newsom worldview. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't stand when I hear some of the stuff he's saying because it's just, it's, just, it's so outlandish. It's so full of, you know, baloney, man. Yeah. Um, and we know it, right? But we got to get active if we want to stop this, man. Like we have to win those elections, and these are the rules right now. I didn't, I didn't vote for ballot harvesting. Like when that bill was up, I didn't vote for it. But it is, it is allowed now, right? Yeah. And honestly, man, there isn't really anything nefarious about saying like somebody that's already voted, like they've got their ballot. You're going to say, hey, man, let me make sure that gets in, right? Right. That's 
That's what we want, man. Let, let me make sure that your vote gets in so we start changing this place, man. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing nefarious about that. Right. That's what we need to do. And like we want to organize and get our people to the polls so that we win these critical races and start turning things around. And I would even argue, you know, there's nothing nefarious about ballot harvesting in, in theory, you know, like the, the there's nothing nefarious about it. But even like I have some people say, hey, um, you know, well, the people collecting them are questionable. I'm like, okay, so then replace the person Give that's it to collecting someone you trust. It, and then, yeah, and then you go out and do it. If right. you know that you're an honest person, if you're a good Christian person, if you're out there, you know, you have integrity, then what you need to do is replace yeah. those people. But then it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm busy. Oh, no, yeah. I, I can't do that. You know, oh, well, not me, but the Republican Party needs to do that. But it's like the Republican Party is made of a lot of volunteers also, a lot of right. on the ground. And we're calling activists. you, man. That's what the yeah. like, people are like, man, stop calling me. When you turn in your ballot, dude, we'll stop calling you. Trust me, bro. <laughs> like, cause I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like every campaign is tracking, you know, ballots and you know, who's voted. And then they take your name off the list, man. Once they see you voted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've done, I mean, I've been involved in politics for many years, man. And that's, that's always a common one when you're making phone calls, right, to voters. Right. Or yeah. you're knocking doors, right? They're like, man, um, somebody already came by like last week. Yeah, man, because we want you to vote, man. We right. need you. You know, we you know, we need you to be off the sidelines and and in the game. And I think that is the message, man, for for our folks, man, for um for Republicans, for independents, for even Democrats out there who are going, Man, I don't know about what these guys are doing, you yeah. know. Um Man, help us win. Help us help us bring balance. Help us bring change to California. You know, and and everybody can do that. Everybody Absolutely. can be part of that. Don't believe the lie that your vote doesn't count. You know, you know, don't 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 give up. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I would say, man, it's darkest before the dawn. Right. Um, and and we've seen that in countless times in history, you know. Yeah. Where good Absolutely. overcomes evil, where you know, the corrupt are exposed. Right. Absolutely. And that's starting to happen, man. Like, let's, you know, let's just bring that to the full uh, fruition, man. We can all be part of that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Last question I have for you before the sign off is, and I'm only asking it because you already mentioned it, is do you think Gavin Newsom is running? You kind of said yes, but is he kind of setting up like a ghost campaign for 2024? Kind of like, should anything happen to President <laughs> Biden? You know, um, they just have Gavin Newsom as like as a secondary. I'll be honest with you. Here's my prediction. You can call me a conspiracy theorist. You can put on your tinfoil hat. I think it won't be Biden. And I think that they're setting up Newsom. But here's the problem. If you get rid of Biden, you then what happens to Kamala Harris? You, you need the black vote, right? We, we understand that the, the African-American demographic is, is huge on Kamala Harris. And, hey, you promised us a VP that would you know be a person of color. So you can't just get rid of Kamala Harris. So I think what's going to happen is they're going to swap her out for Michelle Obama. So then now you're going to have Gavin Newsom running as for president, and then you're going to have Michelle Obama as the vice president take it. What do you well, think about? What do you see, think? Or you could see Michelle Obama, you know, as a presidential candidate. That could know? be, yeah, and the I mean, first like, black so, woman president. No. You know, look, I'm not privy to their, you know, <laughs> yeah. their inside baseball, but man, everything looks like Gavin wants to run for president, yeah. right? And I mean, my theory is. I mean, man, you can't look at Biden and not see that this guy's failing, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, and it's actually kind of sad, man. I mean, I actually feel really bad, you know, because you're seeing somebody who's, 
he doesn't have it together, man. Like he's not, he's having to be shown where to go on stage. And we've seen this countless times, man. Yeah. Like he, um, you know, the gaffes are not gaffes anymore. These are like, you know, it's a pattern. it seems like he's yeah. losing, he is losing mental faculties. Um, yeah. And the Democrats know this, man. I know they, they don't want to say it out loud, but they know it. And I think that, you know, there are people vying to set up somebody else. Right. And clearly Gavin Newsom is at the front of that list. Like he's either trying to be the candidate, you know, when Biden is out. Right. Or to be the candidate in 2028. Either way, that's terrible for the country. You know, because we've seen what Gavin Newsom is in California. And the, yeah. and the biggest thing is in, in, in California, Gavin Newsom's a failure. Like everything right. he said he was going to do has not happened, man. In fact, it's only gotten worse. He said he's going to solve homelessness worse, right? He says he's going to like, you know, fight crime, man. Crime is increasing. There's people stealing everything, not nailed down yeah. in his cities, man. Um, is he termed out 2026? Uh, he's termed out in 2026, right? So he will yeah. no longer be governor. He'll be governor. But look, I mean, every day Gavin Newsom looks in the mirror and he sees president. Right. Puts like, on the I hair mean, this guy puts on the hair gel first. And then he's like, ah, I'm going to make a great it's president. Not, I day. mean, it's just, it's laughable to think that that's not what this guy is doing. You know, like every, all this. And then the sad thing is, man, he's going off to other States and not even paying attention to, you know, the dumpster fire that is his own state. Right. Like, Hey man, we need somebody to actually govern here and try and solve these problems. Instead, you're like trying to, you know, distract, you know, with the campaign for democracy. That's laughable too. I mean, this guy, you know, has snuffed out democracy. He was an authoritarian, Yeah, you know, like he, he ruled by, he ruled by executive order, man. He didn't care what you thought, right. He shut you down. Um, you know, he, he decided despite the voters twice voting to keep the death penalty, right. In California, democracy, the most direct democracy you can have. People voted and said, no, we want to keep the death penalty. We need that, you know, as the ultimate deterrent for people who commit serious crimes, right. Murders, um, he decided differently, man. He's the governor and he decided he would end, you know, effectively end the death penalty over the will of the voters. That's not democracy, right? This guy should never move forward in any way. Now, I, I don't think he will, man. I think that the heartland of, of, of America, the Rust Belt will save us. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine those people are going to say, yeah, man, the answer is Gavin Newsom. You know, when they see all the problems out here in California, but clearly this guy is, that is his motivation. Absolutely. Yeah. What about yourself? Any other political aspirations outside <laughs> of, uh, I got my hands full of what I'm doing right now. Man. <laughs> and, and look, and I, and I love the work and I, I love the challenge. And for me, like, it's about like moving the ball. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't get into this to, to keep things the way that I got in here to change them. And so I'm going to put everything into to doing that. Um, and like I said, I think we've got some great opportunities. The issues are on our side. People are waking up. Let's make sure they wake up all the way. Where can people find you uh, if they want to follow you online or get a website? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, and, man, I don't have my Twitter. <laughs> I'm trying to remember my, my Twitter handle off the top. Man, I think it's Jay Gallagher okay. um, underscore 83. Um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. That's kind of where I, I would probably do most of my stuff. But also on Instagram, um, you know, Facebook. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my messages out on, on all channels. Um, yeah. you know, and Hey man, follow informed Anthony. You Thank know, you. Man. You know, so informed with Anthony, cause that's, that's where you'll get the real deal. So.
Yeah. All right, everyone. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning into today's show. This is going to be a continuing series. We're going to be bringing in candidates all around. Um, there is the uh, annotation here, J Gallagher, J underscore Gallagher right. 83. Um, you guys can follow him there. But, uh, you know, if you want to help support the channel, you like what we're doing, trying to inform not just Latinos and Hispanics in California, but all Californians. Uh, Patreon is in a link down below for as little as five dollars a month. You can help support. Keep the lights on here, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe even buy some extra mics so we can get more people in here. Uh, but it, again, you know, uh, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Join us next time. And I bid you guys adieu. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Leader Gallagher. Really appreciate you coming in today and no to problem, your team. Man. Thank you. You're rolling deep today, man. Uh, really deep. I hope <laughs> yeah, to I have got my crew with to those me. Sides. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share. I'll see you guys next time. God bless.